From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program on this Monday morning. Hope you are doing very, very well out there and are having a good start to your week. Uh, I want to start off the show congratulating the box. We're not just talking about the finals. I think that they sort of really put their heart and soul in it the entire tournament. And I just thought that they really deserve our support as a nation. So uh, well done to them. And I hope that you're enjoying the jacarandas and are just having a fantastic time all around. We will, of course, be carrying on as we have done in the show, uh, covering the aspects of the war that have been going on. Uh, but as you know, when I find interesting members of the community that uh, we can bring into studio and talk to, uh, I like to do that. So we're going to switch to the war in the second half of the show. Uh, and in the first part, we're going to be doing a very interesting interview with Yaela Orolovitz, who is a traveling therapist. She goes by on her Instagram handle, Lighter Life Therapist, and she goes around the world doing therapy and doing all sorts of other interesting things. And so I thought we really had to get on, onto the show and talk to her about what she does. Yeah, Ella, welcome to the New Blue Review and Chai Fair. Thank you, Benji. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Yella, tell us how you got started. First of all, what kind of therapy do you do and what kind of interventions with people? Right. So I actually qualified in drama therapy at Wits University. I was part of the first cohort to graduate in South Africa. And after that, I worked in Israel for a couple of years. I worked here in drag rehabilitation centers with special needs kids and um, and women and families. And then I had an opportunity to go to London. And my job was actually to go and do interventions in universities. And this was March 2020. <laughs> At this point, I quit my private practice. I was lecturing and supervising and running a course at Wits University. I gave my notice. I gave away everything that I owned and I moved to London for this job. On Monday morning, I went to work and I had a great day. And on Tuesday, on my way to work, my boss phoned me and said, there's something in the news called Corona, go home. <laughs> in short, I lost my job and I had to go through my own process of being a new immigrant alone in a new country in the start of this worldwide pandemic. And the Brits did it properly. Like and the Brits did it. Yeah, Benji, I mean, the Brits, the Brits took it seriously, right? <laughs> Um, and I went through my own process there. Eventually, I found another job. And I landed up working for two years in mental health with adolescent and young adult women in the Orthodox community in London. And what I saw there was just this, this incredible kind of pain that had been underneath the surface, probably for generations, intergenerational trauma, all of that, starting to surface. Um, and I worked within it, but for me it was incredibly difficult to be there during 
during the pandemic to be experiencing this and living within it. Um, I got really sick. I got COVID. And in order to cure myself, I went to Mexico to get some sunshine. And it's the same time of year. The same things are happening. Yet in Mexico, there was a joy about life. And that's kind of where it all began for me because I arrived in Mexico. I was waiting for a bus and there was this man standing near me and I asked him, when is the bus coming? And he kind of said, well, the bus might come, it might not come, we don't know. And I said, oh, doesn't that stress you out? And he said, look around. I looked around. Everyone was smiling and laughing. And he said to me, you know, in Mexico, we don't expect life to be easy and we laugh. And that hit it for me. I thought I need to learn something from this culture and I need to be able to help myself in order to help these people to perhaps not take life so seriously, to perhaps change perspective, to perhaps realize that life can be hard and joyful all at once. Well, I mean, that's kind of when you look at the title of your, your Instagram, the uh, light to life therapist it kind of suggests that right about i think it's partly to do with your travels but partly also this idea of not carrying so much heavy stuff right and that's kind of where it began so this was two years ago already when i first left and i first thought okay it has to be about the light to life and the more that i went through the process and have traveled around central and south america doing research, exploring, living with communities, the more that I come to the deeper realization that it's not about lightening your load. It's about knowing what is important. It's about holding our responsibilities very, very seriously. And when we hold our responsibilities seriously, when we, in a way, control what is in our realm of control, it allows us to not worry so much about the things that are far away, the things that are out of reach and the things that we can't control. And that's very empowering. And it's also very necessary, especially in our age with social media and news and exposure to everything all the time, which our brains simply cannot process or handle. How do we, how do we move towards a new generation that is still taking responsibility for their lives. Um, so to answer your question, in short, I'm trained in the arts, in drama therapy. I'm trained to use music and storytelling and movement as a form of therapy. Um, but I also very much work with what I learn through life experience. And each client I meet very much as a unique person. So I don't have a formula. And the more that I go, the more that I'm exposed to the thousands of cultures and nationalities, languages in the world, the more I realize there cannot be a formula, just presence and humanity. So tell us a little bit about the, the cultures that you've, uh, that you've encountered in, in, in South America. I think, you know, there's this, this mix of Spanish and uh, sort of some of the indigenous uh, cultures that exist in those countries. And, and the Latins are kind of famous for their choice de vivre uh, kind of vibe. So what is it like to, to operate and do what is quite serious trauma stuff, if you like, in this happy place? Mm. Uh, it's a really good question, that, because there were moments – I started my journey in Mexico, and I actually – 
I worked with a theater company there. A lot of the work that we were doing was around ancestral trauma, which is very present in Mexican people. Um, just coming up in a couple of days is Day of the Dead. Are you aware of this? That? Is the one where they have like the weird masks and the yeah? I've seen. I mean, I've seen it on social exactly. media. Exactly. Sort of yeah. So they celebrate once a year. They actually have a day where they celebrate the deceased ancestors, and it's an incredible example, I think, of the work that I'm trying to do and the research I'm trying to do because they dress up and they decorate their homes and they create shrines. So, for example, if you have a family member who like Coca-Cola and a particular type of biscuits, they'll create the shrine and put their favorite food <laughs> right there in front of it. And so you walk around the streets of Mexico and outside of houses and on the streets are these shrines everywhere with food and drinks and colorful and decorated. And people dress up and they go to the cemetery and they celebrate, but it's not a drunk, frivolous celebration. It's a deeply important celebration of life and death. Um, so I started doing my research in Mexico, which couldn't feel more important because I think that in order to, in order to go forward in life, knowing where you come from, and having that moral compass that anchors you is the most important thing. And so I studied that in Mexico and how, you know, we'll do this work and it's very intense and serious and they're not afraid to express their emotions. And then you go out onto the streets and there's children playing and there's music everywhere. And sometimes it gets a bit much. There is a drinking problem overall in Mexico and it can, it can get noisy, it can get too much. And that's also part of the test of my own assumptions and my own frustrations with how I believe things should be. Um, yeah. you, you, you made such an interesting point uh, earlier on about the idea of sort of people being so overwhelmed with what's going on around them that they're not actually prepared to take advantage or a responsibility for for their their inner, inner surrounding them, and I'm assuming that you know if I look at some of the psychologists that have become almost famous in the last few years, people like Jordan Peterson or or whatever, uh, that's very much the message: is trying to get people back to this idea of okay, there's a mess out there, but what can you do now and within your uh, within your own space? Is, is that something that you've seen in your in your engagement with kids in particular that there isn't this idea that I can control what's around me? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, we're seeing a lot of what we like to term ADHD, um, inability to really even know where you are in space. So sometimes children are anxious because they actually don't even know where their body is in space. A lot of that comes from the fact that they're not playing they're not interacting with other bodies. They're not in nature. And a lot of what is happening is just on the fingers, on the thumbs, and with the eyes. And we're so disconnected. We're disconnected from ourselves, which leads to anxiety, which leads to inability to, to focus and concentrate and sustain something. Um, and as a result of that, people 
feel disempowered. Um, so children will act out and there'll be a lot of anger and rage. But underneath that is really what they're saying is I don't know who I am and where I am. I don't feel connected and I don't feel that there's anything I can control. And how do you deal with the reality that sometimes, you know, th this model that you're talking about is it's like, okay, you've the stuff you can control, fine. And then there's stuff you can't control and you never need to be able to differentiate it. But sometimes there's things that you can't control and there's things that affect you. Mm -hmm. uh, if I think about this war that we're having at the moment, the whole Jewish world uh, is affected in some way because they know people and they, but they, but it is out of their control, right? What's going on in Israel, in Israel is out of their control, but it's affecting them. And I've, you know, I've, I've always wondered about that because if, if, if there's an, an earthquake in, in Uzbekistan, uh, it's a terrible thing and there's not much I can do about it, right? But it also really doesn't affect, right? Other than the fact that the rest of humanity is so. But something like this, it feels like it's affecting me, but I also don't have control. And I, I feel like people are struggling with it. Asking that question is really oftentimes where we can begin and end. And sitting with the discomfort of that question, of being uncomfortable, actually. Um, we live in a society, I think, that we're always looking for an answer. And you speak about these kind of very famous psychologists. And a lot of what psychology is offering nowadays is like, do this. Five ways to feel better. Ten ways to save your life. And... Our human story is much more complicated than that. It's much more nuanced than that. And when, when we become addicted to quick fixes and solutions, we cannot deal with the complexity of what is really unfolding. Mm. Le so learning, learning to sit with the discomfort. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. We're talking today to Yaela Orolovitz, uh, a traveling therapist, finding out about her adventures and perspectives uh, in her research in South America. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is 101.9 High FM. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review, and we are talking today to Yaela Orolovitz. Uh, she is a traveling therapist, and uh, I want to ask you, let's take away from the theory for a little bit, or even what you're doing in South America, but there's some practicalities. I mean, you're traveling alone as a woman in a culture that's, from what I understand, fairly patriarchal. Uh, do you fit in? Do you, or you feel like you don't fit in? How does that work, and, and what are some of the practicalities of working remotely in some of these places that are off the beaten track? How does it work? Mm, very good question. Um, in a very practical way, what I do is I find an Airbnb. Uh, it's very important for me to place myself within a Jewish community. So I find a place where there's a Jewish community, a local Jewish community. For example, I was living in Colombia, and Kali has one of the biggest communities of converted Jews in Latin America. Cali is a Cali city. is the city, yeah. It's a city where uh, the salsa dance was founded. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. And so, you're a big dancer. And I love to dance. So I chose Cali because it's got dance and, and Jews. A Jews. Yeah. yeah. It's a good combo. It's a good combo. So I, I get I get an Airbnb and I have that privacy. Um, it's interesting you asked me about the safety because Colombia, where I spent three months living quite recently is one of the most dangerous countries probably in the world, especially for women. 
And I was feeling quite unsafe in the beginning, walking around. And my younger brother, Ben, shout out to him, suggested I start taking jiu-jitsu. And I started jiu-jitsu and I immediately felt a difference. Because when I was feeling strong and centered within myself, the reactions of people around me changed. And that's part of what I've been learning is actually, as a woman, we taught to not feel safe in the world. We taught that the world is dangerous and that men are predators. And I think that through my living research, I'm trying to test that assumption. Blia and Hara, and thank God thus far, I've never encountered a problem. And you mentioned situating yourself in a Jewish area. I mean, is, is that a... Is that because you want to keep Shabbos or kosher or is, or just have people around? How, how does that help your, your uh, ability to live in these places that you're operating in? Mm. I do keep Shabbos and I do keep kosher. And my Jewish identity is the most fundamental part of who I am. And something that I strongly believe in is when we, when we enter the world – Knowing who we are and staying connected to what we value is the most important thing. And the connections that I've made through Jewish communities all over the world are really the thing that I value the most. I've learned so much. And those those become my friends and my relationship and make me more of who I am rather than traveling, which can sometimes be a distraction from who we are. And how do you work in terms of Sustaining yourself and in, at, at the same time engaging with the communities around you, because you know if you, unless you're working in those communities, uh, you know work can be all-consuming. But if you, I suppose, if you're traveling, it can also be. So, how do you 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 do that balance? Uh, very practically, it depends where I'm going. But usually, I balance my time between some volunteering work or community engagement and my online work. Uh, luckily, living in Latin America is a lot cheaper than London, <laughs> so my expenses have radically decreased, and I balance it. So sometimes it's three days a week that I work, two days a week I volunteer, or uh, alternate mornings and afternoons. And is that something, as a therapist, that you you that you would have thought about doing before the apocalypse? Like, is that some, or is it like something yeah, new that, that's sort of now become uh, a thing? Because therapy is very intimate, right? Uh, and so you might think that a screen would be an impediment to helping clients, particularly when you're far away. <laughs> Benji, I am the most technophobe person on the planet. And when COVID hit and I was told I have to download this thing called Zoom, I was absolutely terrified of it. And I was. For the first year of online therapy, I felt weird. I felt out of my body. But I have actually come to love it. And as I've gotten more comfortable with it, I've seen the benefits also in people being able to be themselves in their own environment. And I find creative techniques. I use a lot more Homework, I uh, ask them to interact with the environment around them, not to just kind of sit and stare at the screen. Talk to us a little bit about the volunteer work that you do in these countries, because uh, Latin America has a really vibrant civil society, a very creative approach to solving problems that I think people in Africa could probably learn a little bit from. So, so tell us about those experiences as well. Most recently in Colombia, um, they have they have a anti 
as we know, the anti-government groups, they are a big problem. And young people are very susceptible to getting involved with these groups. The NGO that I worked for thought the time that they are the most vulnerable is the weekends. So let's create a program that draws them in on the weekends and gives them something alternative to do. And so they created a program that's using dance, indigenous dance and salsa dance and music to draw in these young people. Um, so I got involved working with them. I learned so much from the resilience of Colombian people. They often come from very poor backgrounds and almost everyone in the country has been affected by the civil war and the corruption. Everyone has a story, much like many people in South Africa have a story or in Israel. And there's a strong sense of family values and dance. You'll walk down the street and a family will be having a gathering and they'll be dancing together at the gathering. Um, I worked in this NGO and people with half, like half legs and terrible injuries from the war were still dancing. And I think that their ability to carry on dancing and connecting to each other as a community are fundamental things that I learned there. In Guatemala, I learned very different things because in Guatemala, they're very connected to their ancient indigenous culture and deeply ritualistic. Um, many of the, I worked with some women there who do birthing and they don't use any modern medicine for the birthing process. They connect to plants and they work also within community and they don't expose themselves to any other forces or influences. Um, wow, Benji, I could speak about this for a long time, but I think that everything that I'm learning is feeding into my knowledge about human capacity especially around our resilience and our creativity. And just to end with, with this about Mexico, that in the poorest of communities where I worked at an NGO, they use dance and they use circus training with the young children. And then they create a project where they take natural resources and create art out of it. And the mothers create the art, which they then sell. And the children learn circus skills and get headhunted to go join circuses all over the world. And so they use what they have. If they are gifted physically or they are gifted with natural resources, they use it. Then they go onto the side of the street and they perform and people give them money. I've never seen a beggar in Mexico who's not offering some skill or some object in exchange. So you're in South Africa at the moment. Uh, you've just been visiting for a bit. Where are you off to next? I'm off to Argentina, and I'm going to continue with my work there and work for an NGO there that works with children and teenagers. Um, it's called Sonrisas, which is smile in Spanish. And they use dance and they use music and drumming and art to essentially help young people from difficult backgrounds. And documentation of, of your, your travels, how do you uh, make sure that this is not uh, lost or, or forgotten? 
It's a really good question that because sometimes I get very much caught up in the moment and I've struggled to balance both. I use a bit of Instagram and I'm making a commitment to myself to take that a little bit more seriously. And I keep notes, hoping eventually to either create a research paper or book based on my experiences. So if people want to follow you, they can follow you on Instagram? Follow me on Instagram. It's The Lighter Life, and my name is Yaela Aralovitz. Um, they can also reach out to me via email. Um, my website is currently being restructured. What's your email? My email is lighterlighterlife at gmail.com. Well, there you go. Yaela Aralovitz, a traveling therapist. Thank you so much for joining us here on 101.9 Chai FM, and best of luck with uh, the next part of your research journey. Oh, thank you, Benji. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is 101.9 Chai FM.